We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1 today, so if you have a copy of the Bible, uh, 1 Peter 1, uh, we're going to begin in verse 22. The title of my message today is that the word of God endures forever. The word of God endures forever. So we've been talking this series as we're going through the book of first and we'll eventually get to second Peter. And we're, ta- we're calling this series um, the elect in exile. And we've talked a lot about what it means to be God's chosen people. And that is not an exclusive term, but that is more than anything an inclusive term. Because what God is communicating, what God has shared with the world is that I want to have a people. I want to have a family. I want to have a nation. I want to have a congregation. I want to have people that I can share my love with and my light with and collaborate with and and relate to. And he's offering that opportunity to who? Everybody. So, so when this idea of the elect comes up in Scripture, this is, again, not at the exclusion of the rest of the world. This is actually for the inclusion of all people, for whosoever shall believe in him may come. And that's the message of the hope of the gospel. And so what this idea meaning that we are elect, it means that we're part of God's family. We're now part of God's uh, we're, we're brought into the people of God and as becoming citizens of his kingdom. But there's one problem with that. Is that at the moment that any of us trust in Jesus and, and enter into this relationship with God, all of a sudden, this world ceases to be our home. All of a sudden, we're strangers. Whereas the world felt so good and so comfortable and so normal before Christ, coming into relationship with Christ, all of a sudden now all of that seems to be strange to us, unfulfilling. The Bible says, do not love the world or the things of this world. And so the minute that we come into relationship with God, we're, we're, we're now considered to be exiles. Again, our, this world is not our home, and so God has prepared for us a place in his kingdom, and we're not there yet. So in the meantime, between this life and the next, we're sojourning. We're wandering. We're just not quite at home. And that's a challenge. It can be difficult. As I've, I've shared the illustration before, it's kind of like swimming upstream. It's like the current of the world is just bearing down on you and pulling everybody down this wide path that leads to destruction. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, you're trying to swim against that. It's not easy. It's hard. But what I want to share with you today is that when we're in that season and we're in that perspective, when we have that perspective that we're living as exiles and strangers in a hostile world, what do we do to keep us grounded in truth? What, what do we have that keeps us firm on the foundation of our faith? What do we have as that anchor that's holding us steady when the winds and the waves and the storms come? And the answer to that question is, is that we have the word of God. God has given us his word. And so in 1 Peter chapter 1, 
I want to read just a few verses with you, verses 22 through 25. And we're going to talk about the Word of God today. 1 Peter 1, 22. He says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. Now he's going to quote from the prophet Isaiah. He says, for all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So let's talk about the word of God today. There's so many different directions we could go. This is kind of how all of this developed in my mind. And so I'm going to share with what God's laid on my heart with you. So the first thing that we have in our, if you have a listening guide or if you're following along with that, if that's what you'd like to do. And the first point I would like to make to you today is that God created the universe by the power of his what? His word. So let's talk about that for just a minute because I kind of, this is a good starting point when we begin to think about the word of God endures forever. And so what is this, what's the, um, the importance of God's word? How does it play into not just reality but the creation itself our relationship with God and eternity in the end in Genesis chapter 1 when we read the account of creation it says in the the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was forming in a a void and without form and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep and and then in in this amazing uh, verse in Genesis 1 4 it says and then God he what said then God what said let there be light God spoke think about the power of the being that we serve and we know and we've come to understand to be the one true God is that he has enough power to speak the entire universe into existence simply by saying the word Psalm 33, 6, it says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the stars by the breath of his mouth. Hebrews chapter 1, listen to what it says. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. Now he's talking about God the Son, Jesus. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his nature. He's upholding everything by his powerful word. See, God not only created the universe, spoke it into existence, spoke it into motion, into the form that we see and we observe today for the most part, but not only did he create the universe, but he's sustaining the universe. He's holding everything what? Together. He's holding it all together. So he created it and he's sustaining it by his powerful word. Hebrews 11.3, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. Let there 
be. And that which is seen was not made out of what was visible. It's kind of, say that again, listen to that, it's kind, of, it's kind of weird the way that's worded. But that what is seen, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. In other words, what we see here in Hebrews 11.3 is that God created the visible out of the what? Invisible. God created everything out of what we would call nothing. That's, that's how, he didn't, need, he didn't need resources at the beginning to do the creating. He created everything out of nothing. The visible out of the invisible. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made, and without Him nothing was made that has been made. Now, I'm, uh, I can be a little nerdy sometimes and geeky, and, you know, I like to read a lot and, and study a lot. I love science, and, um, you know, there's things that are just very, very interesting to me. And I was, I was uh, watching a video the other day, and, and this, this idea came back to me, which I, had, you know, I hadn't thought about in a very, very long time. But I think it's worth mentioning here because, again, there, there's this... There's a strange relationship today in our culture uh, with, with science and faith. It's almost like, you know, the, the way the world has created the idea or conditioned us to believe is that you can't be a person of faith and be a legitimate scientist at the same time, which is not true at all. God is the ultimate scientist. The word science, you know what the word science, only the, the word science literally means knowledge. It means that you just have, you're gaining knowledge through these through these trusted and tried and true experiments and, and the, the, the rules of uh, the scientific uh, method and all of those kind of things. I mean, and there's different types of science and all that. I get that. But ultimately, you can be a person of faith and be a v person who appreciates science at the same time. So in other words, when you came into the church this morning, you didn't have to check your brains at the door. And unfortunately, that's the stereotype that many religious people get. It's like, you're not a thinking person. You know, you're, you're just a, an old backwoods hillbilly, you know, Bible, Bible thumper, and you don't think for yourself, and nothing could be further from the truth. So I push back against that so much because there are legitimate answers that science just now, many things that we're understanding and learning in, quote-unquote, through study of nature and science, is just now showing us what the Bible has been saying all along and so if you're if you're one of these people that keeps up with this kind of stuff you know you have you have einstein and the theory of general relativity in, in about the early 20th century and and then later you started having these people that were the quantum physicists and and i'm going to talk to you about this for a little bit because i'm i'm geeky that way so what are we talking about, okay? So it, there's, there's a new theory that's pervading in the scientific world. Now, there's a lot of debate around this theory, but if you've heard of it, it's, it's in quantum physics. Now, when I say quantum, that's the, the most elemental, um, you know, uh, particles of, of nature. This is the deepest that we can go with a microscopic, uh, what do you call it, electron microscope. You can go deep into the, the components of the atom and the electrons and the, the molecules that are the basic building blocks of life, right? You understand them. And it's, now, now, here's what's interesting. Can you see an atom right now? With your, no, it's invisible. 
Can you see electrons and protons, you know, whirling around within everything that's around us? No, they're, they're invisible to the naked eye. But we have instruments now that let us go deeper and observe these things. And there's something called quantum mechanics that's kind of the new buzz in the scientific community. And they, their theory, the latest theory is what's called string theory. String theory. Anybody heard of this string theory? A couple people in the room? Okay, I'll get to educate you today. All right, so if you stay with me. So if you read a textbook, when I was growing up, you're, you're reading a, a physics textbook or a, 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 a science textbook or whatever, and you look at a picture of the atom and electrons and neutrons. They're all little what? Little spots, little dots, little balls, right? They're called particles, okay? And we've thought for years and years and years that everything in the whole universe was made up of little particles, little dots, you put them all together, and they form, you know, everything that we see around us, right? These are invisible particles, elemental particles, but we always thought they were dots. Well, guess what? They started to, to be able to go deeper into the atoms and into the electrons, and they began to use experiments to see what's it, what's, what makes up an atom, what makes up a proton, what makes up a, an electron, what makes up those things that we think are the, the most elemental, fundamental, you know, particles of matter in the universe but there's something in them that makes them up right you, know, you keep going deeper and deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole and what they've discovered which is fascinating to me is that these these little dots or particles that we've always thought are the basic units of everything is that they're made up of something else and you know what they think that they're made of they're made of strings vibrating filaments of energy think about that for just a second this is called string theory so at the smallest detectable level of matter these scientists and again this is still in theory there's you can't really test it very well because it's so small how do you really test it I get that but it's fascinating to me is that they theorize this is that at the basic foundation of everything in the universe that is made of matter consists of stringed filaments, invisible waves of energy vibrating at different frequencies. These are reverberations. This is the music of the universe. And the, and the, the different vibrations and frequencies is what determines what that thing becomes. Does it become an atom? Does it become an electron, a proton? Okay, you understand what I'm saying. Now think about what I just shared with you. If every the basic elemental particles of life and matter in the universe itself are strings vibrating waves and frequencies of energy what do we really have there we have a voice we have sound waves we have vocal waves what did the bible just say god did what he spoke through the voice of God, he commanded, and through the power of his spoken word, through the sound waves and vocal reverberations of his voice, as God spoke out into existence, everything came to be. You see, again, science is only discovering what the Bible's been trying to tell us all along. God was able to create the entire universe in all of its glory out of nothing. That's how powerful God's word truly 
is. And think about it, his power, if that's true, if everything is made up of these sound waves, of these filaments of, of um, energy, invisible waves of vibrating frequencies, if that's true, then everything has God's power and energy resonating throughout the entire creation. Everything, his voice continues to carry on. These are the remnants of God's voice. At the very beginning, God said, he spoke, he commanded, he used his word to create everything. And so we see that the word of God is powerful. The word of God was used to create the universe. And when God created the universe, he stepped back, he rested on day seven, the Sabbath day, and he observed everything that he had done, and he said, it's not just good, it's what? It's very good. God was, God was pleased. Creation was complete. Creation was good. There was no corruption. There was no sin. There was no death. Everything was good. Man, I would have loved to have enjoyed the creation in that state, right? Adam and Eve had an opportunity to experience what that was like for a short time. We don't know how long it was, but they did experience that creation for a short time. But every one of us, we've never been able to experience a world like that. Because something what? Something changed. Because we look around and there is death and there is suffering and there is evil and there is corruption and degeneration and things break down. I have two cars in the shop right now. Things what? Break down. They're going to break down, right? So we're living in a day where the, the world is not as it once was. And so what do we know? We know the, the big picture of the story, even though God created man in his image and created the world and it was good, that because of the sin of man and, and Adam's rebellion in the garden, he brought the entire creation Okay, the entire creation into ruin and corruption. He brought the entire creation under the curse of sin and death. So that everything, guys, everything is breaking down. Everything is breaking down. Even the stars that God spoke into existence are burning out of fuel. They're burning out. And so we see that something changed. And so the second thing I want to share with you today is that not only did God create the universe by the word of his power, by his powerful word, but we know that the word became what? Flesh. And he came and entered his own creation to overcome the effects of sin and of death. And that's the story of the gospel. Now, we know that Jesus, in the gospel of John, is called the Logos. That's the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, okay? And the Word became flesh. That's a unique Greek word. Actually, that same Greek word, logos, is used right here in 1 Peter. When it says that, that um, you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. We're born again by the Logos. Now, what is this idea of the Logos? I think it's in interesting that we should speak on this for just a second because I want you to think about a word. Think about a spoken word for just a second. Where does a spoken word originate? In your mind. So you already have it here before it goes 
out there. And so there's this idea that there's always a thought behind every what? Word. That's what I want you to think about when you think about the word logos. Logos is like the thought. Logos is the central message behind everything that God has done. Not just in general revelation through creation, but in special revelation as he's given us his what? His word, his, his written word. And so the Logos, and we remember, who, who are we saying the Logos is? This is the Lord Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word. He became flesh. This is the member of the divine trinity, if we want to talk about that. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He was the one that took on what? Flesh. He entered into humanity. He became a man. He is the reason behind it all. That's what the word really means, Logos. He's the, he's the point. He's the source. He's the essence of everything. And so the incarnation of Jesus is, is in some ways incomprehensible for us because we really have a difficult time wrapping our minds around the fact that the creator, now remember, who created everything? Well, well, Jesus did. He is the creator. Jesus Christ is the creator of the universe. He's the one that did the speaking. He's the agent. He's the one that, that carried it out. And so Jesus, as being God, eternal, he, he took on flesh. And so we're talking about the creator himself doing something incomprehensible by entering his own creation. Okay, and when he did that, guys, think about what Jesus gave up. He then all of a sudden limited himself to space and time, to human form where he was subjected to things like hunger, sickness, pain, temptation, betrayal. He got tired. How many times did we read the scripture where Jesus had to take a, a nap? He got tired. Why? Because how does, now you ask the question, how does God get tired? Well, he doesn't until he becomes a what? A man. How does God experience temptation? The Bible says no one can tempt God. Well, in his divine form, you can't tempt God. But when you take on human form, all of a sudden you're weak in that human sense. And you can be what? You can be tempted. This is the story of the word becoming flesh. So Jesus, by coming into the world, he subjected himself to this humiliation. And, I mean, you would think about it. It's really it's a very humiliating thing for the creator to become part of his own creation. And not only that, but the Bible says he came in the form of a servant. And he came to suffer and eventually to what? To die. That's the word becoming flesh. And he was the only one. Jesus is the only way. That's why we start talking about, you know, why Jesus? Is he the only way? What about all the other religions? Why, you know, why is it that the Bible is the only way to God? Why is Jesus the only way to salvation? And, and there's only one way. There's only one person who could make that which has gone wrong to make it right. To take that which had been lost and to make a way to restore the creation from the curse of sin and of death. You see, there's no man on the earth who could do that. Why? Because we were all part of it. We're all part of the problem. So God had to come to us. He had to take on form, enter into this creation to fulfill everything that we couldn't do and to overcome the curse of sin and death. And you would think, well, how's God going to do that? Well, he did it in a most amazing way. 
He did it by dying himself. He did it by willingly laying down his what? His life. And the kingdom of darkness rejoiced at that day. Satan and his demons, what were they doing? They were celebrating around the cross. They were leaping for joy. Why? Because they thought they had won. They said, we've done it. We've killed him, the son of God. We finally killed and crushed the seed of the woman. No, there's nobody left to defeat us now. They're, they're celebrating. They're dancing around um, the cross. And they thought that day they had won. But they didn't understand. They didn't know the full plan. They didn't know the mystery of God. Because on the third day, what happened? Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And it was in the power of his resurrection that all of the powers of darkness said, oh, no. We tried to kill him. We thought we had won. We had no idea he's going to come back even stronger and better and more glorious and more powerful. And we're done. We're done for. And that's what Jesus Christ did. And we see that he's the only one that could have done it because, yes, he defeated death through death, he defeated the grave by rising from death. And this is what Jesus is doing for you and me today. He's offering you and me this same resurrection life. And it all, it all is connected, guys, to his word. Because he is the word, remember, he's the word become flesh. And that he's, he defeated death through death. He defeated the grave through the resurrection. He lives today, and he's offering you and me the very same victory over sin and death that's why we're here that's why jesus came this is the point of it all and so the third thing i want to share with you today is this is when the the message of, of the gospel does get exclusive okay remember what i said at the beginning now god did not choose a people for him at the exclusion of the rest of the world he wants everybody to be what Saved. He, wants, he, want, he doesn't want to see anybody perish, okay? That's God's heart. But then he says, but you've got to come to me on my what? My terms. You can't just choose whichever way you want to come to me. You can't just make up the rules as you go. No, I've made a way for you to have a relationship with me, but you've got to come to me on my terms. That's when it gets exclusive. That's when the way to God becomes narrow. It's an individual decision. And the Bible is talking to us here in 1 Peter, and he's talking about being born again. He says that since you have been born again, okay, since you have been born again, he's talking about loving each other, but he says because we've been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. So here's what I'm going to say to you next. No one can enter God's kingdom. No one. Unless he is first what? Born again. From above. You see, I've heard it said this way before, I love it. You live once, you're born once, you die twice. You're born twice, you only have to die once. And that's, everybody in this room can be fit into one of those two categories. If you've had a natural birth, which if you're here, you've, <laughs> obviously you've been born naturally into the world. But if that's all that you have, you're still in Adam. 
you've inherited that sin nature from your father and his father and his father all the way back down to Adam when, when remember, when the whole universe was thrown in under the curse of sin and death. You've inherited that and you remain in that. And because you have inherited that and you're still in Adam, you're in enmity with God. You're not in relationship with God. You're still under the judgment of God. And if you remain in that way, you may live a very, very long life, but if you have only been born once, you're not only going to die physically, but then you're going to have to face, face spiritual death, which is total separation from who? From God. But if you're born twice, you only have to experience physical death. And really, if you think about it, Jesus says that Whoever lives and believes in me will never, never die. So you really just go from life into what? Into life. So we really don't even experience death at all. And so that's what the Bible's saying here. Peter's talking about being born again. We need to understand what that means. In John chapter 3, Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, and, he, and he's trying to figure out, you know, who is this man? He knew something was special about him. And he said, Jesus is, is putting Nicodemus to the test, who was probably the greatest spiritual leader in Israel in that day. And Jesus said, listen to me, Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, there's, there's a spiritual implication to this, but I want to I talk about it from a, from a practical standpoint for just a minute. You know, some people may say, well, man, that's just so mean that God doesn't want everybody to be with him. And, you know, that's, that's such a narrow-minded view. And, and I guess in some ways you could think of it that way because, again, you have to come to God in your own, on, your, on his terms, not on your own terms. But I want to make sure you understand why did Jesus say that? Because in this body, okay, what is, what is Peter talking about here? Listen to what he says. He says that we have been born again, not of perishable seed, but what? Imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. You see, what we inherited from our father and from our grandfather and our grand, great-grandfather all the way back down to Adam, what we inherited, guys, was a bad genetic signature. We are bad copies of bad copies of bad copies of bad copies. Did you know that? When you receive the 23 chromosomes from your father, you're you are literally receiving the genetic signature, the code, from your father. Except when that transfer takes place, you lose a little bit more information. And when you pass your 23 chromosomes back on down to your children, they receive that exact copy of Adam that's come all the way down through you, except they receive exact copy of your genetic code, except you lose a little bit more what? Information. So we're worse copies of our fathers who are worse copies of our fathers. And it goes all the way back to Adam. And there's something in our DNA, guys, that is now under the curse of sin and death. And if you just want to know practically how do I know that that is true, um, last time I checked, the ratio for death in the world is one to one. Everybody will die. It's in our what? DNA. Thank you, Adam. Right? But I'm no better. I pass it on to my kids, and they're passing it on to their kids. 
And what Peter is saying and what, what the Bible is talking about is that we are, we're, we're spiritually dead, separated from God, yes, because of sin, but we're also physically dead and we die physically, we're bound by the curse. And this is why it's important, practically speaking, because listen to me, if you were to just say, okay, if God were to just say, hey, all right, I want you to, to come on up to heaven right now, just the way you are, come on up, come, come see me. And he were, to, he were to allow you to step into his temple where he resides in all of his glory, and we entered into his presence in these perishable bodies, what would happen to us? We would, we would be incinerated instantly. It would be like stepping into the middle of an atomic bomb. Because in these bodies, in these corrupted, perishable bodies, we're not compatible with God. Even if he said, come here, I want to give you a hug. I love you so much. It's not that he's being mean to you. It's that he wants to have relationship. He wants to have nearness with us. But because we're not compatible, he can't do it. We can't get close to him. Because in these perishable bodies, in this state that we're in right now, we cannot live in the presence of God. That's why Jesus is talking about this. That's why Peter's talking about this. That's why Paul talks about this. Listen to what Paul says in the book of 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to read some, some scriptures to you. Listen to this. He says, that which is sown is perishable, but whatever is raised is imperishable. It is sown a natural body, but it's raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first Adam became a living being, the last Adam, talking of Jesus, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual, however, was not first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so also are those who are of the earth. Guess what? We are all of the earth because we are born sons of Adam. That's who we are. But whoever is born of the heavenly man, as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are born of heaven. This is what Paul is getting at. Now listen to what he says. Just like we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, Adam, so also we shall bear the likeness of the heavenly man. Now listen to what he says in verse 50. Now I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. I tell you a mystery, we will not sleep, we will all be changed in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must be clothed with imperishable, this mortal body must be clothed with immortality. And when this happens, Paul says, we will all declare that death has been swallowed up in victory now i don't understand how it all works out when we die now again we're separated from our body our body goes into the ground our dna is still in the ground you know that right whatever makes you you the, the the building blocks of life still in there somewhere but then you have a spirit that goes to be where with the lord i don't know what that existence is like i know it's wonderful i know it's glorious but guys here's something that that i've said to you before and you have to really think about it no matter how awesome it is for our, our loved ones who know the Lord, who to be in the presence of the Lord in that spiritual form, whatever that is, because remember, they don't have their body. Where are their bodies? Still here in the ground. In that spiritual form, they have form, but they're in the presence of God. It is amazing. I'm sure it's awesome. They're in, in God's presence, but there's something missing. They're not yet fully complete. 
Because what makes you and me human, guys, is that we're not just spirits, but we're also material, physical beings. That's what makes us who we are. And until Jesus returns, see, we know we're told in the Bible that there is a resurrection of the dead that will take place. When finally all the saints who are in heaven and their bodies are still here on the earth, when Jesus comes back, he's going to do something amazing. He's going to take the DNA, the physical components that make up our body, and he's going to glorify. He's going to resurrect those, those components, and he's going to reunite our spirit with our what? with our body, and we will then be glorified, immortal, resurrected sons of God, just like he is, and at that moment, we will be fully complete. And then, guess what? We will be compatible to enter into the presence of God, and we will not die. Because at that moment, we will be like the angels. We will be like Jesus himself. We will have this new body, this resurrected body, this glorified body that is not perishable. It is not mortal. It's immortal. And therefore, we can have fellowship and closeness with God. And when he says, come give me a hug, guess what? You can come give him a hug. You can embrace the God of the universe in that new body. But until then, guys, I don't know how that's going to happen. That's what Peter's talking about. We need this new body. And what God has done is, is he's given you his Holy Spirit as a deposit, as a down payment. And this is so very important because it's, it's important to understand I'm not there yet. I don't have this, this resurrected, glorified body yet, but I have received the Holy Spirit. And God's seal is upon me. And he's put a deposit guaranteeing that one day I will get my new what? My new glorified body. And it's the spirit who seals us for glory so that we are promised to receive our resurrected and glorified bodies. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing it will be, right? When we all see Jesus, we're going to sing and shout the victory. And in the meantime, what are we doing here? What's the point? Exactly. The word that has been proclaimed to you. You see, the Bible says that all grass, all flesh is like what? It's like grass, like the flowers of the field. In God's sight, they come up overnight. They may be gone the next day. A day with the Lord is like a thousand years. See, our flesh and these mortal bodies, yeah, we might get 60, maybe 70. Maybe you're like Miss Claudia over here. How old are you, Miss Claudia? She ain't listening to the word I'm saying. Miss <laughs> Claudia will be 99 coming up this year. Isn't that amazing? Praise God for that. Maybe you get 99 years. Guess what? To God, it's just, it's just a day. Because all flesh is like grass. We, we, we grow. We sprout. We wither, we die. So in this short, little, limited amount of time that has so much significance, because what we do on this earth matters, and I'm, I'm emphasizing that today, guys. What you do here matters. Our life is important, and we want to be able to make a difference while we're here. And God is trying to remind us today that because we're waiting this day when we get new bodies, but until then, as you live on this earth and you know that your life is so short, there's only really one thing that we should be most concerned about. The word of God. 
the word of God. It's been said that there are basically two things that last forever in this this world. The souls of men, the word of God. So if you want to ask yourself, what's my purpose in life? Why am I here? What should I really be doing in this life? Well, I need to get a job. Yes, have a family. Great. Have children. Wonderful. Find hobbies and things that you love to do. Yes, God loves all of those things. But in the midst of doing all of those things, which are great and wonderful, and we should do all of those things, what's your central purpose in all of that? Is to invest in the what? Souls of men and the word of God. Use your life, use your family, use your job, use your platform, use your influence, use your gifts and your abilities, and enjoy all of those things. But God's saying, I've given those things to you so that you can meet people, introduce yourself to people, have relationships with people in family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, whatever it may be. And it's not about that. It's not about your job. It's not even about your family. It's not even about your hobbies or your, your, um, your gifts and your abilities. It's not, those are things are great, but it's not about that. It's about something more. It's about taking those things and using them as an opportunity to share the gospel, to tell other people about God's love, about eternal life, which is my last thing, is that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation generating everlasting life for all who believe. This is what Peter says. All flesh is like grass, the glory like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower falls, but what remains forever? The word of the Lord remains forever. And this is the word. This word is the good news that was preached to you. Basically what happened in your life is that one day somebody shared the good news of the gospel to you, with you, and you believed. And at that moment, you became one with Jesus Christ. You inherited eternal life. You received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. If you had cancer, and many of our people in this church have battled cancer. Some of you may be battling it right now. If you had cancer and somebody came to you and said, hey, I've got the cure to cancer. Here, whatever, this pill, whatever. Just Just take this pill. Take this pill. You will not die of cancer. You will be completely cured of cancer. And they gave you that pill, and you got cured of cancer. And then your neighbor got cancer. Your child got cancer. Your friend at work got cancer. What are you going to go do? You're going to call your friend up and say, hey, man, I need some of that medicine because my friend, my family member, they got cancer, and and you healed me. You gave me the gift that allowed me to get healed from cancer, so I want to turn around and give it to somebody else. That's what I want to do. That's what we would do. We wouldn't hesitate. We would be so, we would call up our friend, our neighbor, our family member, and say, hey, listen, I've got the cure to cancer. Right now, I'm going to give it to you. You're going to be healed. You're going to be saved. We wouldn't hesitate, would we? Yet somebody gave you something so much better than the cure to cancer one day. They shared the good news. And through the sharing of that good news, and you heard it, and it went into your head, and you thought about it, and somehow it got into your heart like a seed planted deep down in your heart, and it began to grow, and you believed it, and you received it, and you became a new person, a new creation. Your life changed, your relationship with God changed, your desires changed. You became a new person. Somebody gave you that one day. Somebody shared that good news with you one day. It's so much better than cancer. It's so much better than curing cancer because it's not just talking about a temporary um, healing. It's talking about eternal life where you're going to spend eternity. And when you got that, 
and you looked around at your neighbors, and I'm talking to myself. Please hear me. I'm talking to myself. I'm going to look around at my family, my friends, my neighbors, and my coworkers. Am I just as excited to tell them about the good news of the gospel as I would be sharing with them the cure for cancer? Am I picking up the phone? Am I going to my neighbor's house? Am I trying to talk to everybody that I can? I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes, no, I'm not. You ever ask yourself why it is? What is it? What, what is it about that, that that gives us hesitation, that gives us um, concern, that, that, that pauses us, that keeps us a little bit paralyzed or quiet or whatever it may be? If we really believe that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, if we really believe that this sharing the good news of the gospel with other people is giving them the opportunity to have their sins forgiven so that they can have a relationship with God, so that they could live forever, that they could be promised an eternal glorified body one day at the resurrection of Jesus Christ when he comes. If we really believe that with all of our heart, guys, what would we really be doing? We'd be telling everybody. We'd be shouting it from the rooftops. And I'm not here to tell you why we don't do that. I'll tell you what, we can come up, we're great, I'm great about making all kind of great excuses. I can tell you all about it. Well, you know, I mean, that's just not the way to talk to people this day. You know, you, you got you to gotta earn their trust first, and then that's a serious thing. You know, you don't want to just start talking to them about things like faith. and Jesus. Why not? Here's something I shared with, my, with, a, with a group the other day. I was talking to them, and I said, I was talking about being bold and sharing your faith. And again, I... I'm pointing to myself. I'm talking to myself. But here's something that I, I've, I've thought of many, many times. And I want you to think about this sometimes. Is that what if it is that person that you haven't, you've been holding back. It's you just like, no, I don't want to offend anybody. You know, that's, we, we're living that day, right? We don't want to offend anybody. But what just so, what if it just so happened that, that if you were just willing to, to, to open up that conversation and maybe share a little bit about your story, your testimony, and, and talk to somebody about God. Bring God up in the conversation. And maybe you get to where you can tell them about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you and how they can, they can have a relationship with God. Have you ever stopped and wondered for one minute, just think about this, what if that person that you've been holding back on, that you're just afraid to talk to, that you think you're going to offend them, that maybe you're just, you just don't want to upset the relationship or whatever it may be, what if they're praying every night, God, I just wish, if you're real, that you would just send somebody into my life to tell me. You know, I've heard testimonies like that, many testimonies, that a person that was praying, they're seeking, they're, they're having a, an existential crisis in their life, they don't know what they believe or whether they should believe, and they don't really understand God and none of this stuff, and they're just saying, God, if you're real, I'm just praying out to you tonight, God, if you're real, please send who? Somebody to tell me. How many times have you and I been that somebody? And we refuse to go talk to them. And we refuse to open up our mouth and share. How do we know? Sometimes is somebody going to get offended? Maybe so. It's part of it. Could, it. could it affect a relationship that you have with a friend or a neighbor or a coworker? Yeah, it could, yeah. But you could also be that somebody that God chooses to use to reach another soul that would determine their eternal destiny. See, that's what the power of the gospel is all about. 
Just like God spoke the universe into existence by the power of his word. That was a supernatural act. We all agree with that, right? That happened once. Well, he's chosen to put that same life and that same spirit and that same word in us. us like a seed, like I said, a seed planted. And we're carriers of life. We are carrying around with us the cure. And the way that God designed it is that he says, I want my people to simply do this one thing. Open up your mouth and speak. Now, remember, how did God create the universe? He spoke. And everything came into being supernaturally. Now he's given you and me the opportunity and the privilege to open up our mouths and what? Speak. And you know what? To a lot of people, when you start talking about Jesus and the cross and the Bible and stuff, they think it's foolishness. And you know what? That's okay. The Bible tells us that many people are going to think it's foolishness. But there's something powerful about the spoken word. Because when we speak it and it goes into someone's ears and they begin resonating in their heart and in their mind, the Bible says that faith, faith comes through what? Hearing. Well, I'm just going to show these people what a Christian looks like and never have to say anything. Well, unfortunately, if you look at my life to be the greatest demonstration of what a Christian looks like, I'm going to let you down. I'm going to fail you. Only Jesus lived a what? Perfect life. So it's not about that, even though, yes, our walk should match our talk. I get all that. I know, what, I know don't be a hypocrite. I understand what, what you're saying. But what I'm saying is there's one way God predominantly chose to use his people to reach other people with the power of the spoken word. So that means we have to open up our mouth, guys. And when you talk about Jesus, the good news of the gospel, when you open your mouth and let other people know God loves you. And let me, look, guys, do you want to know how easy it is? Let me, let me help you right now. You ready? Here it is. Hey, I just want you to know God loves you. And he wants to have a what? He wants to have a relationship with you. And if you've ever thought about that, I can tell you how he changed my life. If you ever want to sit and talk about that, hey, t let me know. Let's go grab some coffee one day. Now, was that really hard? No. That's how simple it is. You've been working with somebody for 20 years, never shared your testimony, never opened your mouth about Jesus Christ. How hard is that? Hey, I just want you to know. You know what? I've done it, I've done it this way before. Let me give you another great example. I've gone up to somebody and say, hey, I want to apologize to you today. For what? What would you do? I just want to tell you that I've been working with you all these years, and I've never once told you my story. You mind if I share my story with you? How hard was that, guys? Is that hard? No. I guarantee you, if you come at somebody that way, they're going to want to hear your what? They're going to probably want to hear your story. Tell them how Jesus saved your life. How much you love them and that you've been praying for them. That you want them to have the very same thing that you have. But we make this thing so complicated. We make this thing so confusing. We make all of these excuses. We justify all this kind of stuff. Guys, it's an easy way to come, with, come to people with the message of the gospel and just tell them God loves you. He just wants to have a relationship with you. Do you want to talk about that? If you ever need to talk about these things or pray, just at least plant the what? Plant the seed, right? You don't have to press people and, uh, and hound people and, and, you know, just get on people's nerves. I'm not talking about that, but just plant those seeds. And I promise you, if God is at work in that thing, they're going to want to know. 
they're going to come to you. They're, they're going to want to talk more. And you might be that somebody they've been praying for all these years. And so I'm going to ask our praise team to come up, guys. And, and I just want to challenge you today as we go. Here's your simple application today. As we're thinking about the word of God endures forever. What are you investing your time in? Your resources, your energy. At the end of the day, there are two things in this world that last forever. It's the souls of men and the word of God. Find ways to incorporate the word of God into your life. Are you hearing me? you got to find ways. You can't just come here on a Sunday morning and listen to the preacher preach for 45 minutes and think that that's enough. No, we need to find ways every single day to incorporate the Word of God into our life. Listen to the Word of God. Take time to read it. Put a scripture verse up on your mirror. Keep something in your car that's going to remind you to do your daily bread, whatever it may be. But find those ways. Listen to a podcast. Listen to YouTube. I don't care how you do it. There's so many opportunities and resources out there. But, guys, we need to find ways to incorporate the Word of God into our life because that is something that is eternal. It's of value. It endures forever. So as we go, here's your, here's your um, application for today. I want you to treasure God's Word in your heart, right? above all else treasure God's word in your heart above all else hold fast to the truth hold on to the truth and then as we go we're to sow what sow seeds of life remember you have life in you now you can cast those seeds and sow seeds of life everywhere that you go so I'm going to pray for us as we close, we're going to sing one more song today, and I just, um, I hope that today's message was encouraging to you as it was to me. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I do thank you so much for your word, Lord, that your word is powerful, your, your word is life-changing, your word is liberating. And I just thank you so much, Father, that you've given us your son. You've given us the opportunity to have that relationship, Lord, that you do love us and that you want to use us. You've chosen to use us, Lord, to be vessels, to be um, just to, to cast seeds, to, to, to sow the seeds of life into as many people as we possibly can until, um, until the end, Lord. And that's why we're here. That's why you've allowed us to be here. And I acknowledge that today, Lord, and I, and I thank you so much for that. And I just pray that as we, um, as we contemplate, Lord, just the truth of, of the gospel today, and we contemplate our purpose today, that if there's any changes that need to be made in our life, Lord, that we wouldn't waste any more time because we know that life is short uh, and death is, is certain. But, Lord, your word endures forever. And I thank you for that in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, amen.